Well, good morning, Cable Road Alliance Church. What a privilege it's been for the last 24 hours to be in this space and this entire space being clothed in prayer. It has been absolutely phenomenal to be part of that. It's overwhelming. Listen, let me tell you something. I want you to really listen to what I'm saying to you. All right? I mean, this is sincerely from my heart to yours, I hope. If you were not part of the 24-hour prayer vigil that we just had, you missed out. Don't receive that as guilt. Don't receive that as condemnation. Receive that, I hope, maybe as a little conviction. Because you missed out on something wonderful. Next year, when we have our fourth annual prayer vigil, would you find five minutes in a 24-hour period that you could come over here and worship our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Because I'll guarantee you that five minutes is not going to do you. You're going to walk in these doors belligerent. You're going to be like, oh, I didn't want to do this. The Buckeyes are playing, you know. You could, it could be snowing. You could be like, I had to shovel my driveway, you know, in October. You never know. But you're going to walk in the door one way, and I'll guarantee you you're going to walk out the doors differently than you walked in. Do you know how many people came in this, this year and they prayed and they prayed and they spent time communing with God and connecting with Him and when they left, they said the hour just flew by. How many episodes of The Office can you sit through on Netflix? How many episodes of whatever it is you watch, This Is Us, can you sit through can you give God five minutes next year and be part of our prayer vigil? And I, I'm not saying I'm going to boost the numbers because there's something wonderfully intimate about what we do as a, on our 24-hour prayer vigil. Oh, we could try to jam-pack it all together in six hours or even 12 hours or even 18. But 24 hours allows for people to come and go. And allows for two, three, four people at a time in this space just worshiping God. Make no mistake about it. We're praying, but we are worshiping God. And it's absolutely amazing. We had prayer stations set up all around the sanctuary. I'll talk about those in a minute. In the back of the room, we had some prayer stations on the other side of the glass, as we like to call it, that were all just set up for kids. Some of them are over on this side. I'll explain those in a minute. But I got to tell you, folks... This is for us corporately as a body of believers. It's not for the builder generation. It's not for the millennial generation. It's not for whatever generation I'm supposed to be in. Yeah, I remember when a day, a day was just, what grade you in? I'm in kindergarten, okay. After that, when you graduate high school, you were just an adult. Go live your life and be responsible with yourself. You know what I mean? But whatever generation I'm in, listen, even the kids, they're with us this morning. They are not the church of the future. They're the church of what? Today, right now. And I'll tell you, you guys right back in here, I was sitting here and I could hear you singing and worshiping. And I was like, yes, yes. So thank you for worshiping with us this morning. Are you glad you came this morning? No, I'm glad you came this morning. I want you to open up your Bibles, if you have them, to the book of Daniel. Because we're going to be diving into the book of Daniel this morning. The book of Daniel, chapter 9. Todd used my podium last week. He's a little taller than I am. But that's okay. I'm a little whiter than he is. So we even out in there, right? Daniel, chapter 9. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 23 this morning. And so forgive me as I read and 
try to stumble through all those verses. And if you're sitting in your pew going, oh, come on, you missed a word. Hey, you know what? Why don't you come up here and stand and look at 200 people and try to read 23 verses? All right? <laughs> like, wow, he's being rude this morning. Guiltness into being here next year talking. But I just want to share with you as you're looking for uh, Daniel chapter 9, I just want to read for you, and we'll dive into this in a minute, verses 3 and 4, because this is going to set it all up, okay? Daniel chapter 9, verses 3 and 4, and then we're going to jump into verses 1 through 23 in a minute. So Daniel says this, so I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition and fasting and in sackcloth and in ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. This is a man who was desperate to hear from God. He was desperate. He fasted. He prayed. He put on sackcloth. In other words, he put on clothing that was not very comfortable. I mean, it wasn't like this nice suit jacket and jeans and cool shoes I'm wearing or whatever you're wearing and your makeup. You took a shower. No, he was just, he was putting himself in a position where he was humbling himself. Even the ashes, literal ashes that he would put himself in. He did this because he was crying out to God. He was pleading to God. Do you understand on that side of the cross, in order to gain God's attention, you had to plead with him. You had to do so many, you had to jump through so many hoops, jump over so many hurdles, but Praise God on this side of the cross. We don't live under the law. We live under grace, yeah? So now all we need to do is say, yeah, I'll be there during that 24-hour vigil. And I'll just pray. Some of you I know couldn't make it. And some of you told me, hey, I couldn't make it, but you know what? I'm praying. I got Facebook messages and text messages, even an email. I got phone calls from people that said, hey, I'm sorry, I'm not able to be there this year. I'm out of town. I'm out of state or whatever. But I'm praying with you. But here Daniel is crying out and pleading to God. Well, we're in the middle of wrapping up our third annual 24-hour prayer vigil that started yesterday at 12 o'clock noon. And I've seen and I've experienced firsthand the power of prayer in my own life. Listen, I'm not the man you see before you. If you saw me 25 years ago, you would think that's the man. I'm not the man that I used to be. I'm a changed man because of the power of prayer. Not just my prayers, but the prayers of my mother, my grandmother, my wife, the people that love me, that call me friends. It's the power of prayer that has made such a huge impact in my life. And I've seen this power of prayer. I've experienced it firsthand in my own life, in the life of my family, in the lives of many of you sitting in this room right here, right now. I've been witness to seeing marriages restored. Finances being restored. People crying out and pleading to God when they don't need to plead and cry and beg and whine, but they do because they feel like they're doing something. You ever feel like that? It can't be just as simple as laying my request before the Lord, is it? Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. It certainly can't be that easy, but I've seen people in our church beg for God for that job, and you know what? God blesses them with that job because of the power of prayer. And we had lots of stations set up out throughout the entire sanctuary 
And now they're been kind of many of them have been removed and now they're in our library area where you can go now, literally, if you'd like, or after the service, you can go in there and go through these prayer stations. And we set these prayer stations up to illustrate that there are many ways to connect and pray and just simply talk to God. There's all kinds of different creative ways that you can connect with him. Listen, when I want to love my wife and connect with her, I text her, I email her, I talk to her face to face, I call her on the phone. Sometimes I like to call her and just hang up and it's kind of funny that way, right? <laughs> my dad used to always send me an actual letter in the mail with a stamp and an envelope and I'm like, what in the world is this? Who's sending this to me? I treasure that now. You see, there's all kinds of different ways to connect with people. So there's all kinds of ways to connect with God. We had literally all around, there were three tables on this side, three tables on this side. We had several stations on the stage. There was a whole area back there behind the glass with, for the kids to, that they could pray. We had a prayer diary. It's now set up in the library. It's a diary that we've had for three prayer vigils now. And you can literally go back and read prayers from last year and the, the time before and read them. Dave Rufner, where you at, my, my buddy, my good friend? He said to me, hey, I saw where Sandy, my wife Sandy had written something in the, prayer, in the prayer diary. How wonderful is that? Talking to God. Writing those prayers out. Prayer diary. Artistic prayers. We had a table set up in the back where we had all kinds of color, uh, some crayons and markers and, and colored pencils and papers. And it's really unique. And you think, oh, come on, that's kid stuff. No, adults were back there drawing and coloring and just writing out the most wonderful prayers. We have a table that's in the library right now. We had it out here as one of the favorite tables. We had a table set up that was literally just a table that had hymnals on it. Read through the hymnal. There's so much rich, as I've heard this a thousand times, so much deep, rich theology and love written in within those hymnals. And they can read them. We have here on the stage something we like to call rocks in a basket where we take a rock out of this basket with a black sharpie. We write a name on a rock and put it in this basket, which is, by the way, completely full. Completely full of names of people that we long to see come to know Jesus Christ. Or names of people who have walked away from the church. Maybe walked away from their faith for whatever reason. And we're asking God by simply writing their name on a rock and placing it in the basket and saying, God, this is my plea to you, my cry to you. Bring them back to the faith. Reading God's word, we have a table set up and it's still in the library today with several uh, versions or interpretations rather of the word of God that you can read through and look at different verses. Praying for others, we had a station set up. We had a station set up for missions. Todd Althaus, our missionary that was just recently here and some of the other missionaries. We had pre-written prayers. Prayers that were written years and years ago by Abraham Lincoln, Ronald Reagan, A.B. Simpson, A.W. Tozer, I mean some wonderful, Billy Graham. When you read these handwritten prayers, you just, you, you're in awe. You're like, wow, that's my heart's cry. One of the, one of the stations that I really enjoyed was, was a station that was just simply called Compass. All that was on the table is a sign that said Compass. On the table was a Compass. 
And you were instructed just to take that compass and hold it in your hand and pray for God's direction in your life. God, lead me and guide me and direct me. I am so lost at times in my own walk and my journey with you. I need you in my life. So people would spend time just holding. It was over here. People would just sit and I would walk in the room and wander and just make sure everything was good. We had music and slides playing. It was a wonderful time. And I'd look over at people and they were just holding that hand. Not because it was some magical piece and they were praying over it like it was some, you know, special token. They were just using a symbolic saying, God, I need your direction in my life. It was wonderful. Over here on this side, we've got two different things that were set up for the kids. Look how beautiful this is. This is, this is what they call knots, knots of fabric. They take one of these knots right here, just a piece of fabric, and the kids would think of someone that they love, someone they need to be praying for, mom, dad, grandma, their friend, a need in their own life, whatever the need is, and they would come over here and just simply tie the knot right on the string as a symbol of saying, God, hear my prayer. Over here on this side, you can see the mailbox is full. You see, it would be so sweet to read some of these. These are letters to God. The kids would take one of these cards right here in a pen and they would write, Dear God. And they would just pour their heart out to God and they'd put it on the box. I'll tell you what's going to happen to those cards. We're going to pray over them. And I say we, we literally this morning, all this. No, I say we, the corporate we. Because if I'm praying over them, you're praying over them. Because I'm your pastor. If our elders are praying over them, you're all praying over them. If one of you grab a hold of one of those and start praying over it, we corporately as a body of believers here at Cable Alliance Church are praying over that. So do we need, if, if I were to say, let's pray over this, does that mean every single one of you needs to take that card and pray over it? That'd be wonderful and beautiful, but is that necessary? No. We can pray corporately for these things. Corporately. This morning, I want to look at a very particular station that we had set up. We've had it set up all three times we've done our 24-hour prayer vigil. This morning, I want to look at a very particular aspect of prayer. It's the prayer of corporate repentance. Basically, praying for our church. And that means owning and asking God to forgive us, even if we didn't have anything to do with whatever it was. This church has been in existence, not Cable Road Alliance, on this road, right? But we've been part of this community for 121-some years, yeah? Do you think maybe somewhere along the lines of 120-plus years, things happened that didn't go quite as planned, and no one has ever repented and owned up to it and said, God, would you forgive us for what we did in our community? How we hurt that segment of people? It's time we do that. Maybe something happened 20 years ago. It doesn't have to be 120 years ago. It could be two weeks ago. It's called the prayer of corporate repentance, praying for our church. Our church. And, and I'm not talking about just if you're a member here, you've officially become a member, sign on the line. I'm talking about corporately. If you say Cable Red Alliance Church is your home, this is where you come to church. You are part of the we. You're part of the corporate body of believers here at Cable Road Alliance. And so we've got this cross over here. And on this side of the cross, these red marks aren't there. 
And I often struggle when I set the cross up for different things like this. Do I want to show the red? Eh, it just doesn't look right sometimes. We'll hold off till Easter. But I chose purposely to do it this time. Because I want us to understand that as we pray corporately for forgiveness, corporately for forgiveness and repent for some of the things that we have done as a body of believers, it's important to know that it's only by the grace of God, the blood shed on the cross, that we're able to receive that forgiveness. So what I ask people to do, and if you look up here, and maybe we're going to take communion here after a bit, as you walk by, if you happen to go on this side, I want you to see there's a bunch of stones on this side. And there's a bunch of stones in this basket. What we were told to do or asked to do is you take one of the rocks out of this basket and you just hold it symbolically and you pray. You say, God, forgive us, Cable Road. As your pastor, as an ambassador, and each one of you are an ambassador of Jesus Christ, if you know him and follow him, if you belong to this church, if you say, this is my church home, you're an ambassador of Cable Road Alliance. You hold this stone and you say, God, forgive us for what we've done. Forgive me for what I've done. Forgive me for the things I haven't even, didn't even know that I've done. Forgive us, Father, for we have sinned. And we've sinned in areas we don't even understand or recognize. We've hurt people of different races, of different ethnic backgrounds and genders. I mean, you, you fill in the blank. And I'm not just talking about the, the hot button topic issues of the day. I'm talking, go back 100 plus years. What are some of the things that perhaps maybe we got wrong as a Christian Missionary Alliance church? God, I don't even know what they were. I wasn't even here 120 years ago. But I'm here now and I'm part of this body of believers. And I want you to bless us. So Father God, forgive us for that. And then you take the rock and you set it right over here. Someone took this cross and this station seriously because there's a lot of rocks over there. There's a lot of rocks over there. So I opened talking about Daniel. Daniel said in chapter 9, verse 3 and 4, So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition and fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and I confessed. Listen, we know Daniel stood for righteousness. Daniel stood for right. Daniel the prophet, he was a young hero. He was a prophet. And he was a brave old man. I'm looking at a lot of brave old men sitting in this room right now. And if you're wondering, I wonder if he's talking about me. Yeah, I'm talking about you. You're brave and you're old. You probably don't even know you're old, but you're old. Think no further than Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel was in his 80s when he stood bravely in that den. If there's anyone who had the right to say, this isn't my problem... I didn't do it. Someone else did all the sin, and it wasn't me. God, you know me. Listen, I'm the guy that stood in the lion's den. So whatever those people did, I don't want anything to do. It's not, it's not on me. That's on them. You see, I could say that as your pastor. Lord, I don't know what happened here 100 years ago. I wasn't there. It's not on me. That's on them. I don't know what happened 20 years ago, 10 years ago. Two weeks ago, now I start getting personal because I'm like, wait a minute, you, you were pastor here two weeks ago. What do you mean you didn't know? But when Daniel prays, 
He includes himself in that plea. He doesn't say, Father, forgive them. He says, he says we, Father, forgive us. He doesn't say, God, forgive them. He, he doesn't say, they sinned. He said, no, we have sinned. We have sinned. So what is sin and what is corporate sin? What are the difference? Well, sin is simply this. It's idolatry. Sin is when you take something and you put it before God. Allowing something else to take the place of God. A a little bit of a mantra that I have is God family ministry. Years ago, that was not the case with me. That was not my priorities. It wasn't God family ministry. You know what it was? It was my ego. It was my my own self-indulgence. It was my own desires. That was number one in my life. And believe it or not, number two was ministry. A close third and fourth kind of a tie together was God and family. And my life gave way to sin and I struggled and I almost lost everything. Until I got my priorities right. God, family, ministry. So what is sin? It's when you put anything before God, including your family. Husbands, let me tell you something. Your wives need to know that you love God more than you love her. Your kids need to know that you love Jesus more than you love them. Now that sounds harsh and rude and mean, but that is the truth. You can do that. You know why? Because God has your best interests at heart. He's going to love you, protect you, care for you, and lead you in the right direction. You're going to be able to hold that compass in your hand and have full faith knowing that God is directing each and every one of your steps. Why? Because you put him first. You said, sweetheart, I love you, but I love God more, and God's calling us here. So if you know that I love God and you trust me and I trust you, let's go together, sweetheart. Son, I know that you're going down a bad path, but you're going down a path I can't go because my God's going that way. My God is going that way, and you are hell-bent on going that way. I love you, son, but you see, I love God more. So I'm going that way. I long for you to come with me. God, family, ministry. What is sin? Sin is putting anything before God. It's called idolatry. What if the pastor sins? What if one of our elders or the leaders in this church, they sin? What if a person in our congregation sins? It affects all of us. It affects all of us, the entire body. If one part of your body is broken or hurt, you can't isolate it. You might put a cast on that ankle. And think, I'm, the rest of me is fine. But you put too much pressure on that ankle and you're going to have ooh, nerves just shoot through your body. How many of you had migraines before? You can't just say, I've got a migraine. I'm going to go lie down. Everything's going to be fine because it's just right here. It permeates through your whole body. And just disrupts everything. When one sins... The whole body is affected. That's corporate sin. That's the principle of corporate sin. And that's why we ought to repent from it. Now, Daniel chapter 9, verses 1 through 23 is very lengthy. I'm not going to read it all for you. 
But enough to say that Daniel could have said, this isn't my problem. But he chose to pray. And he prayed this way. He says, you know what? This is my problem. The country of Israel was being let off in judgment. Devastation, heartache was being poured out on them. And Daniel chose to pray in such a way that he said, this is my problem. Because this is my country. This is my God. These are my people. You are my people. This is my church. It's your church as well. There are problems in every church, some small and some very large. Sometimes the problems are quite clear. Other times they are hidden. Either way, they're very real problems. The problems in our church are just that, our problems. You may not have been the one that sinned, but it affects the vitality of the entire body of believers. I love that word vitality. The strength and the active coming and goings of the church. When I look at our church body, I think, why does this church seem so weak and inactive? I have to ask, what's going on? There's got to be some sort of undercurrent of sin that's causing a disruption in the whole body, leaving all of us feeling weak and inactive. Daniel's prayer can be broken down into four parts in chapter 9, verse 1 through 23. Into four parts that are fitting for us as a church that we might call out to God and ask for corporate repentance. And it's also a good thing for any individual in here. So I just want to walk you through And Todd, maybe you can help me out up there. Chapter 9, Daniel chapter 9. Let's just look at verses 4 through 6. Number one thing is we've got to recognize the sin. Recognize the sin. We're going to move quickly. Recognize the sin. Daniel did that in verses 4, 5, and 6. And in verse 5 he says this. We have sinned and done wrong. We. He didn't say they sinned and did wrong. I didn't. He owned it. He was part of we. He said, we have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants and the prophets who spoke. We have turned from you, God. We've got to recognize the sin. We've got to recognize that there are times that this church has been and maybe currently is wicked and rebelled, turning away from the commands and the laws, not listening. We've sinned. We've idolized. We've put things before God, whatever that is. Search your heart. Ask God to reveal that to you. You've got to own it. You've got to say, yeah, we did that. No excuses. No passing the buck. We need to admit it. That's what corporate repentance is. Some of you need to do a family repentance. Some of you need to sit with your family and and own some things as the spiritual head of your family. You've got to recognize the sin. Number two, you've got to recognize God's righteousness. In verses 7 through 9, 7 says this, Lord, you are righteous. Verse 9 says this, 
The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving even though we have rebelled against Him. We've got to recognize the sin and then we need to recognize God's righteousness. Because if we don't recognize His righteousness but we recognize the sin, we're going to work really hard to try to solve that sin problem all by ourselves. And we cannot. We cannot solve the sin problem all by ourselves. We need the power of the blood of Jesus Christ and God's righteousness. So when he looks at us unholy and unrighteous, he sees holiness and righteousness. There's a great movie out there. Tom Cruise and Cameron Diaz. Movie called Night and Day. In the movie, Tom Cruise says to Cameron Diaz, he's trying to convince her. Listen, you want to live? You got to stay with me. After all, I'm Tom Cruise and I'm super awesome. Okay? You want to live? You got to stay with me. Because if you try to go without me, you're going to die. So he goes like this to her. He says, with me, without me. With me, without me. You you get it? With me, without me. Which one do you want? With me or without me? With me or without me? That's what God is saying. Listen, with me or without me. With me is grace, mercy, forgiveness, repentance. Without me is judgment and condemnation and death. Because the wages of sin, when you recognize the sin, but you fail to recognize his righteousness, the wages of sin is death, no matter how hard we try to figure it out. Daniel's prayer here, broken into four parts. Part number one, you've got to recognize the sin. Part number two, you've got to recognize God's righteousness. Number three, recognize the punishment. Recognize that there is punishment. If left unresolved, there will be punishment. Verses 11 through 14. 11 says this. All of Israel has transgressed your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. Therefore, the curses and the sworn judgment written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, has been poured out on us. Again, Daniel doesn't say it's been poured out on them because, God, you're going to save me, right? Because, like, I'm, I'm good, right? He put himself in that corporate category. The church doesn't face the same punishment that Israel faced back then. But just because we're in an era of grace does not mean we get to go on with business as usual. Ignoring and turning a blind eye to injustice and to homelessness and to all the things that God has called us to be caretakers over, including each other. We cannot turn a blind eye to those things. Just because we live under grace and we don't live under the law anymore doesn't mean we have a license to sin. Romans 6.15, what then shall we say because we are not under the law but under grace? Should we go on sinning? No, by no means. By no means. You've got to recognize the sin. Know that we can't figure it out. Recognize who can, and that's his righteousness. We have to recognize there is punishment and consequences. But when we repent and turn to God, praise the Lord, we live on this side of the cross, and he removes those consequences, or that punishment, rather. Final thing is this. Daniel's prayer, he requests restoration and he asked for action from God verse 15 through 19 verse 16 says this O Lord in keeping with all your righteous acts turn away your anger 
and your wrath from Jerusalem, your city, your holy hill. Verse 17, now our God, hear the prayers and petition of your servant for your sake. O Lord, look with favor on this desolate sanctuary. Give ear, O God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. Because of your great mercy, the last part of 18, first part of 19, O Lord, listen. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hear and act. So he cries out for God to restore him. Not just him, but his whole, his nation. And forgive them. Daniel recognizes that God is still in control of the situation and that he can still forgive and restore Israel. You are not too far gone. God can still restore and redeem you in your marriage, in your life, in your finances, in your relationship with your kids. Whatever it is, cry, recognize that you're in this position. And maybe you put yourself in that position or maybe someone else put you in that position. But either way, recognize it's sin and you need to own some of it. And then recognize his righteousness is the only way out. Recognize that if you don't take advantage of that righteousness, if you don't open yourself up to that righteousness, punishment will come. Not because he's withholding his righteousness, but because you're not taking and receiving the righteousness. But you gotta, you got to call out. you got to ask God. you got to request that he comes and acts swiftly. Daniel asked God to look, listen, act, and not delay. And he did it boldly. Let's not forget, you're on earth and he's in heaven. The earth is his footstool. Ecclesiastes says, be careful what you utter before God and do not just utter anything. Because he's in heaven and you're on earth. Go to him with much awe and respect. But go to him boldly. Just like you would want one of your kids to come to you. Boldly go to you. I want my daughters at 20 and 27 to come to me boldly. I don't care what happened in there. I don't care what mistake they made. I don't care how angry they think that I'm going to be. I want them to come to me boldly. And what they might ask might be audacious. And as their dad, I may, I may have to say, girls, I love you, but that's not going to happen. But I'm going to do whatever I can to bless them. God answered Daniel's request and he answered it quickly. In verse 20 and 23 through 23 we read this. While he was still speaking, while he was still praying rather, Gabriel, the angel, came to to David, I, I, I'm going through this uh, scripture quickly for you. Uh, he's still praying, pleading, crying out to God. And Gabriel shows up while he's praying. And Gabriel says, listen, Daniel, while you were praying, before you even began to pray, the answer already came. Why do we do a 24-hour vigil? Because I want God to show up in the life of Cape Road Alliance Church. While he was still praying, Gabriel visited him and told him that as soon as you began to pray, an answer was given. God will answer us when we pray. Make no mistake about it. God will answer us when we pray. 2 Chronicles 7, 14. Please forgive me for the time. 
Second Corinthians or Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear them from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal their land. Maybe not today, but one day, folks, this church is going to need the mighty healing hand of God to move in and amongst us. Let's begin praying now. For God to give us an answer that he's already given us. We just need to receive it. Book of 1 John also tells us. 1 John chapter 1 verse 5 through 9 says this. This is the message you've heard from from him and declared to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him yet walk in darkness. We lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. There's that corporate thing again. We have fellowship with one another. The blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us of all sin. Now here's the part I want you to catch. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins, purifying us from all unrighteousness. This passage is in reference to salvation, but I believe it applies to the prayer of corporate repentance as well. If we recognize our sin and we ask God to forgive us and restore us, he will respond. What does our church need to repent for? What does our church need to grab one of those black rocks, pray, and lay it at the foot of the cross and walk away, boldly saying God has forgiven us? Is it gossip, lack of faith, failure to support God's leaders, poor stewardship of our time, talents, our treasures, our monies, unwillingness to live out the Great Commission? And what can our response from God be when we call out to Him for repentance? We know because the Word of God already tells us that before He even began to pray, the answer was on the way. Earlier I mentioned that when one sins, the whole body is affected. When one part of the body hurts, the whole body hurts. When one of us sins, truly the whole body, the corporately, we all are affected. This is called idolatry. It's when you put something before God. What is it that we corporately, as Cable Rolling Church, are putting before God? What is it that we idolize? We idolize it so much that we justify it. We idolize whatever this object, this thing, this preference is. And we say, but it has to be. You don't realize you are mesmerized by it. And you are completely ignorant of what God is trying to do. Let me bring it home to you real, real. I love worshiping our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I don't care if that's out of a hymnal or a rock show. Because when I hear little kids worshiping, Oh, I get, I get fired up. Something tells me they'd been worshiping just as loudly if we had hymns. Yeah? As we did having a little modern. Listen, this is not our object of affection. Jesus is. And when we've taken this and put it before God and said, Yeah, but God, I'm trying to do you a favor. God is saying, You're not doing me any favors. You're, you're stirring up idolatry. 
we just spent the past 24 hours. This 24 hours right now. It's five till. We're, we're going to serve communion here. I'm going to ask the band to come back up. Listen, I recognize that some of you may need to go. I get it. I understand. Please hear my heart. Thank you for being here. I, and I'm not trying to boast or brag. I've literally been here 26 hours now. I can give it 10 more minutes. Can you? Please? And someone said, No. I love the honesty of kids. Which brings me to my next point. If you need to go, please don't, don't be upset. Don't be like, oh, I'm, oh, don't even sneak out. Just say, hey, Tim, I love you. I got to go. And you can go. But we're going to, one of the things I love to do is pray together. I love it when we have an opportunity to corporately pray together. I love it when we have the opportunity to corporately worship together. And I love it when we have the opportunity to corporately receive communion together so what we're going to do and in just a moment I'm going to ask the elders to come forward we're going to receive this morning's communion and I say we're going to receive it we're not just going to take it we're not just going to grab it like some sort of thief stealing something that doesn't belong to you this belongs to you if you are a believer and follower of Jesus Christ you've received him into your heart and said, Father, forgive me my sins. I recognize my sins. I recognize your righteousness. I recognize that apart from that righteousness, there's punishment waiting for me. So, Father God, I'm asking you to act in my life right now. You, this is for you if you've done that. So in just a moment, I'm going to ask the elders to come forward. Not now, but in just a moment. And we're going to receive because it's given to us. He said, take and do, do this, receive this, and when you receive it, do this in remembrance of me that what I've done for you is just that for you, for you individually, Sue Roser, Sharon Brazier, Billy Joe Lewis. It's for you, but it's also for us corporately as a body of believers. So in a moment when the elders come forward, I'm going to distribute the elements to them and then you're going to stand right where you're at. You're going to stand and you're going to come down this middle aisle and some of you are going to go this way and some of you are going to go this way and there'll be an elder here and an elder here, an elder here and an elder here, an elder here and there and everywhere. (laughs) And they're going to say, this is his body broken for you, for us. And he's going to say, the other elders can say, and this is his blood that was shed for you, for us. Take and receive. Because it's yours freely. And remember what he did on the cross. For our repentance of sin and for our corporate repentance of sin. And when you receive the elements, you can take them as a pew. You can take them as a small group. You can take them right then and there. If you've got a family, you can gather over here and go back to your pew and take them. But I would ask you to do this. Reflect in your heart this morning whether you should take communion or receive communion. It's a very simple answer. Do you know Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior? If you do, then this is for you. If you don't, I want to encourage you, receive Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. It's as simple as saying, Father, forgive me of my sins. I recognize that I'm a sinner. I recognize that I need your righteousness to make me righteous. 
I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me and wash me clean. That's how simple it is. Then you can stand up boldly and come forward and receive the communion. That moment right there, you're instantly saved and sanctified through and through.